This episode is sponsored by Little Oven Pizza of Merced, California. Merced, California. Little Oven Pizza. Only one here. Um, so today we have a very interesting yeah, special. Dude, look at that. You, I, you I know it's fancy when they need two lines. To, to <laughs> I can't almost pronounce two like lines. half of these ingredients. Uh-huh. It's called the I the the Mercas. Oh the, yeah, that is fa- that is definitely a fancy special. Well, Mercas. This is the most unique pizza I've ever seen. It, you know how it usually says white or red sauce? Uh-huh. It says TP. TP sauce. What does that even mean? I, I, don't, I, know. I don't know what that means. Only but, way to uh, find out is go eat it. And then it has a mer- merguet. A mer- <laughs> We we might need two dicks. The only for thing this. that that we can read is red onion <laughs> and, and pistachio. Bread. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, anyways, this pizza looks ridiculous. Yeah, it looks you fancy. should go try it out. Yeah. Uh, well, what's the second special? Uh, Brooklyn's best. We've seen uh, this classic, before. Classic. Caramelized onions, ricotta. Simple, right. simple, simple. Yeah. You, you know, there's an interesting thing. You know how like some of the best chefs in the world, um, they always say that they keep their ingredients simple. Like like you know. Like single-digit ingredients, they yes. don't try to make it too fancy. Yeah, yeah. Because there's that trade-off, right? The more fancy you get, you know, the food could have a potential of uh, more room for error. M- more exactly, yeah. more room for error. So um, I'm kind of curious how this pizza will hold up. Uh, the, the new special, what's go- is the Mercus, right? M I R K U S K A S K A S Mercus. That's interesting. Yes, very interesting. Yes, you've had Little Oven before. I have had Little Oven pizza. Uh huh. Did you do you normally go there for their specials, their classic pepperoni, or or like? We had a gathering at the Partisan, and we had pizzas coming over. Oh, oh and the Partisan's the bar across the street, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Mm, interesting. Do the watering hole. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> exactly. Do you remember, like, specifically what type of pizza you guys ate? No. I We had every kind they had, oh, I think. Cool. They just oh, kept really? sending them over. We had, we had oh, yeah. they purchased about 40, 20 to 40 pizzas. Jeez. It was, wow. It was, was it a, it was it was a, a huge big, gathering. big event. Oh, big wow. event. Yeah, I mean, what better way to... To feed people in a little and oven. it's all right across the street. That's yeah, that works. Like, they're okay, just probably running across. We the need another pie, and they just run over. Right? That's fascinating. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but like I'm sure you do remember though that it was delicious. That was probably it the was one awesome. quality. Yes, yes, and you know we always say on the show not only is their food great, but what makes what gives that that extra push of deliciousness is that it's a community organization. It's yes. a community company. Not only is it community based, but their ingredients are also locally based. sourced. Look so, at that. I don't know. Everything about that about their uh, business is a wonderful has wonderful attributes. And <laughs> Speaking of wonderful attributes, <laughs> our next sponsor, the Chocolate Dipper. Right, and you know, as students, as people who are part of organizations like you know, I'm part of Key Club, uh, JSA Science yeah. Club. Um, you're part of tennis. Mm. You know, we always money is always an issue where we have to consider. Yes, most definitely. And what better way to get some money than through the fantastic fundraising uh, operation that the chocolate dipper has and they're so they specialize in fundraising they transition away from just you know selling chocolate apples because you know b- by itself it's yes. c- it's a luxury right yes, it's yes, difficult yes. to just sell it as a as a product by itself but they branched out into fundraising and that was the best de- decision possible yep. so if you're ever looking for a fundraiser option go check out the chocolate dipper yep. also if on you're Main Street. and if you're just looking for an apple go check out the chocolate or chocolate dipper. dip out uh, chocolate dip out. yeah chocolate exactly. specifically chocolate dipped and speaking of chocolate dip no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of chocolate dipped apples our next sponsor is a real estate company <laughs> <laughs> exactly no but um so and we actually kind of kid around because you know we always think that our audience is mainly students but as it turns out, teachers and parents specifically so they also make up a big chunk yeah, of they, our audience. Yeah, they, they make up a big ch- chunk of our constituents. So we thought it was also appropriate to include a sponsor such as Nextdoor Real Estate Professionals. Yep. Because, well, first of all, they're also community-based. We know their owners personally, Eric and Aaron Ham. Yep. Um, you know, their kids go to our school. So 
um, we always say it's in their best interest to serve your interests when it comes to real estate because they are part of the same community in which their listings are. Couldn't have said it any better. Exactly. So, and now it seems like the perfect scenario because Ms. Carrillo, you are an adult <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. And I'm sure- It's been a while since we've had an adult, has it? Well, uh, technically yesterday, Chris- Oh, Rachi, yes, but, you know, yes, he's yes. A but he's not in the market for he, a house. Yeah, he's a college yes, student, yes, meaning yes. he does not have the money in order to, to, <laughs> yeah. to buy a house. We know that for a fact. Right, but if you are in the market for buying and selling or renting houses, Nextdoor Real Estate Hit is up. the option to go. Hit them up. Exactly. Go check them out at nextdoorrealestate.com. And I guess with that, let's just cue the music and get on with another episode. We're, we're, almost, we're almost around 30, actually. 29. Oh, actually. we're at 29? 29. Uh, and we will see you soon. Hey, everyone. We are back at again with another episode of The David and Cal Show. I'm your host, David Chen. I'm your host, Cal Sladen. And today, we have a very special guest here with us, one that has supported us a through Twitter podcast. for a very long time. We are very grateful of all the likes and retweets. Uh, Miss Creo, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thank Good you. Good yeah, yeah. I think I it's was... funny. Most of the guests we bring on don't listen to our podcast. Interestingly, well, at least for the students. Yes, yes, yes. For students. Especially for the students. I, I know the, our, our older guests that we usually bring on mm-hmm. uh, listen to our They're podcast. at least familiar. But we have an actual fan here. Yes. yes I, great. I am a fan. And... And my mom will be listening to this. So. Oh, cool. Yes. Great. Another listener. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Um, my parents are my biggest supporters. Um, and so I know my mom will want to listen. That's cool. Awesome. That's cool. Right. And, um, you know, when I first reached out to you to talk, um, you know, if you'd be willing to come on the podcast, I had specific intentions because, uh, well, let's go over your role at our school and across the district, actually. This is considered a district role, right? Yes, it is. So um, I'm Marcia Carrillo, and I am the induction quarter for the coordinator for the Merced Union High School District, uh-huh. and it's, in, it's for new teachers. Right. So th- this is how they clear their credentials. So there's a process. After you get your degree, you need to get a credential. And the credential is another year, year and a half, um, about 30 units, mm-hmm. and and that includes student teaching. And mm-hmm. so then you get what's called a preliminary credential. When you have a preliminary credential, you um, will have the mentor then, which is myself, because I'm also a mentor. I'm the coordinator, but I also still mentor mm-hmm. um, three to five teachers. Okay. And so... Um, you will have a mentor for two years, and that's how you get a clear credential. And you you have to clear your credential. You have five years to clear your credential. The program is two years. So what we do is we meet with the teacher. Um, it's supposed to be on the average of one hour a week. Mm-hmm. So in this district, since we're I'm a teacher on special assignment, um, so that means I'm still considered a teacher. I just teach teachers. Ah, and there's there's actually there's actually like um, three other mentors like myself and they're at other schools right so we have about 40 teachers in the program this year so that means there's 40 teachers in our district that are in induction Mm -hmm. and that have a mentor that meets with them and observes them and we do professional development got it So, so wait, that also means there are 40 new teachers here at our district. Well, new in meaning like the first one okay, or two years. Okay, so there's another 40 that don't qualify yet for our program. Oh. And and that's an interesting group. Um, so they're probably more needy, actually. But So if you just get a degree mm-hmm. in anything, and then you, you could be a teacher, right? But you're going to have to take classes, take some tests. So there's a, a process of being called a, a – having a pre- – provisional intern permit so that's a pip 
-hmm. then there's another step that's called a stip and then it's called then you're called an intern so there's some people that have taught in the district we have some right now they taught in the district for four years because they were like getting their credential they didn't have a credential right and so it took them like four years while they were teaching to get it and then they're in induction Ah. Huh, so it's kind of like a weird scenario where yeah, you can so become a teacher yeah, so and have a credential. So some people, if you don't have your credential already when you go apply for a job, yeah. then you have to get it while you're teaching, which is kind of good because mm -hmm. you get paid. Yeah. Oh, that's I guess right. to, to get to know you a little better, did you teach before you, you took this job opportunity? Okay, so I've been in the district. I've been actually at Merced High. This is my 31st year. Oh wow. oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I think maybe the only person that's been at this school longer than me is Mr. Fogelberg. Mm, really? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. A while as well. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to look through the, the staff on the um, website, and I said, I'm the second longest at this school right that's, now. That's mm. awesome. And so. you, did you teach when you were first, yes. when you first came yes. here? Yes. So I, um, I'm a physical education and biology major. Oh. And so... Um, I didn't stay in physical education too long. Those positions are kind of slim. And so I was kind of pushed into the science field. And so I taught a variety of sciences. The last science I taught was biology. Biology. And um, that was, it, but one of the things I was passionate about was also a class I taught called human body science. So it was mm -hmm. kind of like the anatomy physiology. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Um, That was one of my favorite classes because as a PE major, those oh, are the, yeah. it's best of yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. loved it. You Got know? it. Yeah, and, it would make and sense. And the students loved that class, you know. And, and then, mm -hmm. but we, we go through these different swings in education where they say, well, we're not going to have that class anymore. Mm. you know mm. so um it makes you teach i taught a variety of some sciences that don't even exist in the district anymore so i taught for 17 years and then i've been in the mentoring um for 14. got mm. it so what what made you decide to to transition into this mentoring stage after teaching um well you know what i was always the type of teacher that liked to help people right. so when there yeah. was whether uh, or collaborate with others like what are you doing what yeah. are you doing um what can i learn from you you know, what can we share? Or if there's professional development, I was always signing up for it, going to conferences, yeah. wanting to learn, which is the growth mindset, by the exactly. way. Exactly. Yes, perfect. It, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more yes, about that as well. That. Um, you know, <clears throat> I never would imagine that I would be, I thought everybody was kind of like this, right? Like right. you want to keep on learning. You want to keep on, you want to try the newest thing tomorrow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I found out this is not common with um, nope. my um veteran colleagues mm -hmm. and they, even they, students as well they, they don't want to keep trying new things they like what they're doing they don't want all these changes they don't want maybe the chromebooks or whatever mm -hmm. right well i embrace those things yeah right and so i, I want to help teachers embrace those things so just knowing that there was going to be a position a paid position i always helped people there was going to be a paid position where i could help teachers yeah, you can do what right. you love yeah. I, I said this so the but i love students so much probably more than adults <laughs> and so um i said can i just do that part-time uh -huh. so my first year i taught three periods and i was a mentor for three periods oh oh so you gotta, you gotta do yeah. a little bit of both yeah and I, I i liked that but then the, the only problem was is every time we had a training or something you'd be gone, yeah. um so i had left my students so many times oh. that that wasn't good and, and that was back when we were taking the CST tests. And so, you know, you need to cover a certain amount of material by a certain date. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that was kind of a bad thing. And then, then they go, we, we need to hire another mentor and you either need to come full time or you're, you're not gonna be one basically. Mm -hmm. And so I said, they kind of yanked me out of the classroom cause I had like, uh, 
a weekend of notice. Like you need, <laughs> yeah, to, it's just you not need to make this yeah. make this choice. And I go, yeah. okay, I guess I, my friends go, just go for it, because uh-huh. you you're always regret, you're not sure about the unknown. Mm. Right. So, so I just went, well I just went it. for it. I just went for it. That's cool. I love the concept of a teacher that teaches a teacher. And oh. I wonder if there's a teacher that teaches a teacher that teaches well, a teacher. Well, did you have a mentor as a, yeah, as a mentor? as a mentor. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what I am now. So I, as the coordinator, oh, I, tr- right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I train oh. the mentors. Oh, oh, oh so you're always the, a bigger fish. Well, <laughs> you're the teacher of the teacher of the teacher. Yeah, <laughs> This is insane. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And another thing that we're, I mean, talking about training and teachers, and yesterday we were talking about talking with Chris, yeah. the, the Caltech student, we, we brought up um, Finland's education system and how uh, teachers spend a majority, actually, of training. their job, their paid job time, actually training, because they actually spend about half the time our teachers are in the classrooms, and the rest of the time they're in training, they're in conferences, or I don't specifically know what type of training they get. Yeah. So I'm fascinated with the idea of training, because it is a, it is a um, uh, whatchamacallit, it is a kind of a balance, right? Because you want to spend time with your kids yes. in the classroom, so, but the more training you do, the less time you have with the students. So how does that dynamic really work? And like, how do you try to balance that aspect? One of the things is um, there's a lot of big conferences in the summers. Oh, right, yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. And so that, that gives teachers opportunities to not miss mm-hmm. and to go to those. Yes. Um, I already been to, to a conference, a big conference this year, which is called the Q Conference. Yes, I've heard of that actually. And on, we, on we actually presented there this mm-hmm. year. Oh, we, okay. we have to, you have to apply and go through whatever, and then we were accepted, and we presented. Um, we do themed based. Um, we do theme based professional developments. So the one that we presented was called Ranger Camp. Mm-hmm. So we dress up as rangers, uh-huh. and when the <laughs> teachers, you know, like with a ranger hat and yeah. kind of like wh- a little bit western, but whatever, like okay, ranger yeah. jacket, um, like camping theme. Mm-hmm. Okay, and w- and when we do it over here at the disc. Um, we have everybody that comes dress up like a camper. We decorate the whole place with tents and all kinds of camping things. So we tried to modify that, and that's what we presented at the Q conference. Yeah. And we use a green screen. We're really into using the green screen. Too. Yeah. It's definitely a very to unique way to connect equipment. To, yeah. um, in fact, I just presented on um, Wednesday night over at UC Merced to the technology class over there for uh, Miss Stacy Cool who also works for the district. Mm. She's a teacher out there uh-huh. that's teaching, I think it was like a freshman class, you know, and so I, they wanted to learn about green screen. So mm. I taught them about green screen right. too. Yeah, actually this library has a green screen. I just realized. Yes, it does. Yeah, uh, it's I think it's like, cool. it's, isn't it right here? I think, I think they have three. Oh, three. There's actually three and there's three iPads that go with them. I think, yeah. it, well, there's, there's one right there. Yeah, and I think uh, so. Yeah, you well, yeah, I'm just always fascinated with how great this movie space is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> how, it's great. How well it yeah, people don't know where that's where we're sitting right now for well, video. yeah, for for those <laughs> audio. But yeah, we our school has a maker space that has some fantastic yes. equipment here, and and soon to be podcast equipment as well. Um, but um, but you mentioned something interesting where like, you know, summer seems to be a really underrated time, at least yeah. for people who aren't teachers. They don't realize how much stuff goes on over the summer. I mean. Summer is vacation. It's supposed to be so summers to off, but I remember when but my mom was teachers. teaching, she was like getting training done constantly. Right. It's perhaps even more busy occasionally yeah. during the school year. Right. Um, I kind of want to broaden the sense a little bit because um, I kind of want to like a s- sequel to from yesterday where Chris was a te- well, is a teacher in training. 
kind of right he's he's in the pathway to yes, becoming yes, yes. a teacher and i kind of want to just talk about the idea of teaching as a career because i was just looking at some stats um you know eight percent of teachers leave the profession each year um, comp- compared to five percent a, a few decades ago and in general salaries are declining it declined four percent since 2009 adjusted for inflation and then yet and it says yet nine in ten teachers still buy some of their own teaching supplies spending an average of almost five hundred dollars a year um, about 18 percent have a second job making teachers about five times more likely than the average full-time worker to have a part-time job and it's you know just a bunch of things where it seems as though teachers are being underrepresented in the workforce yeah. and it causes it to and it also says last year was the first time when a majority of parents have said they don't want um, their kids to be s- yeah. um, teachers, despite it being one of the most, you know, there were, there's a bunch of study that says that investing in our kids is the highest rate of return possible for a country, Yes. right? If you invest good time in education for young citizens or young up and coming citizens, like in high school, middle school, the rate of return yeah, it's a great investment. is way higher than yes. like, I don't know, doing something else uh, yes. for the economy, like infrastructure. Yeah. Yet, it doesn't seem our culture yeah, we don't put and society is reflecting that. So, so what's your opinion on that and how, how the teaching career has kind of you know, lost its luster a little bit? Yes, so um, one of the reasons that the, the state actually developed induction was because um, 50% of teachers were leaving the field in five, within five within years. Within five years, yeah. Within five years. Wow. And, and so we are there for, besides training the teacher, but we're there for emotional support and to actually mentor the whole person. Mm-hmm. So it's not just helping them with their lessons. It's helping them figure out the politics of the school, the culture, how to be successful, um, and, and make them glad that they chose to become a teacher, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so because of um, the induction program, we've seen rates of nine out of 10 staying in the teaching profession. Oh, so a huge increase. Huge increase. Okay, right? that's, that's so good we, to hear. Yeah. Our program is research-based. Right, yeah. And, um, and and one of the things our district, so not everybody's a full-time mentor like yeah. me and my colleagues. In other districts, th- they may have a mentor that just mentors them after school. Mm. Um, and the person t- works full-time and they just get paid a little bit of money to, mm. to do it. Um, but as far as salaries and things, so I also am a DTA, our union representative. Mm. And I've been on the negotiating teams, and um, you know, one of the things is we're we're going from teacher-centered instruction to student-centered instruction. Right. Yes. He yes. Chris that's talked what about Chris that yesterday. Yeah, talked about that. Curriculum. And yeah. and that's something that we've actually been pushing and training our new teachers with for about three four years. You know, basically since we started having Chromebooks at school, mm. that's what lead led that allows movement, for that yeah. l- allows for that movement. Um, you know, as far as the the wages and all those different things, um, you know, it, it's not a good thing. It, mm-hmm. It's not encouraging people to come into the teaching profession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a, a niece, and so she she was fast at getting her degree. She got her degree in three years, but the credential program was a year and a half. So, like, she's finishing in December. Well, that's not when you get a teaching job. Mm-hmm. So, so even the setup of 
how we train a teacher why would we want them to get done in december so you know oh yeah she could sub from december from like january till yeah. but you know she's not going to get a job till august mm-hmm. right and, oh yeah I, she's basically yeah she yeah, doesn't so get anything mr. she's unemployed for a decent amount yeah. of a year yes mr kane was telling me he was like i mean it's a little more viable like it, being a teacher in merced where things are a lot cheaper yeah it's it's a it's it's a lot more viable but if you're like in, in the san Big francisco area it's almost impossible to uh-huh. live without having a part-time job right yeah and i've heard like the, some of the biggest issues are in big cities and in the poor areas yes where there's the most the cost people. of living is high but at the same time the rate of poverty is also high yeah so that's just like a double whammy when it comes to teachers they, they can't yeah you know, and i've heard they hit class sizes of like over 50 like on average in some of those yeah, schools. also population density yeah. that's another thing right um Another thing that they also talk about when, when it comes to like the teaching profession and how it has declined in popularity over the years is that it doesn't have like a, well, one thing also is tenure, right? Tenure for teachers, um, just in general, because we talk about the Finland education and how Chris mentioned where if you said like, I'm in training for become a teacher, it's basically like saying like I'm pre-med or like, yes, where, like where it's, we a big say deal. it's a big deal. Like right? being a doctor is a big deal in America, Here, but yeah. being a teacher it's kind of has, it has it's not emphasized by it's our different culture, connotations well, yeah. but Finland different is, is like that right so what do you think needs to or should change about this or is changing right now that kind of you know could reflect that that positive outlook they're trying to include the credential in with the four years because that's one of the problems so we're asking teachers to go to school longer than like an engineer mm. right so my my nephew in four years became an engineer he didn't have to have a mentor Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have to go through blah, blah, blah to clear a credential. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to get a credential plus a degree, and then he makes more. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're like, how, how can we make it even, you know, where you get out of school in four years? So, so that's something that's changing. Embedded, yeah. Embed the uh, credential into the into four years. The four years. Yeah, and that, and that's, that's, what Cal teach, that? that's what Caltech is, yeah, right? that's where what... you, you graduate with your credential, and then you can go straight into the the, the employed, employed yes, pool. Yes, yes, right. Um, and then we have Raymond, who he is not going through Cal Teacher. Right? No, oh, well, he's different. He's yeah, in he's, music, he's, he's in music, music education. Yeah. So I'm sure there's so, slightly different. So even though, uh, even though one of them started getting in college like once a year ahead. Oh yeah. Because of like the process of going through a credential, they're going to end up being a teacher at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's actually interesting because Chris yeah. is part of Calteach and Raymond isn't. isn't Raymond yeah. isn't a year older than him, but they're going to graduate and, and at, teach at the, the same time. At the same time, yeah. which, yeah, I'm really, I'm really um, impressed with what Calteach yeah, has impressive. to offer. I mean, you know, Chris is also going to Berkeley for a mm-hmm. semester to, to take his final classes before he, yeah, uh, before he becomes a student, like a student in a classroom, student teacher. Um, and also, I'm kind of curious what student. So we have a couple student teachers on campus. One in biology that I know of. One with Miss Downey. In, in don't we have uh, one in computer science too? Uh, I don't know actually. I, th- I thought. I uh, think he's, we have a, one he's a UC Merced student that just comes, I think, for a volunteer. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So how does student teaching work? So once you get your credential, you, do you just go straight into a classroom? Like once you get hired? Or? So that's part of your credential. Oh, that's part of your credential. Yes. Oh, okay. The student teaching is. Um, so for me, I remember how it was. Is one semester. I went and I observed at a junior high, and then the second semester, I was the teacher for four classes for free. Mm. So you you plan it, you teach it, you are the teacher, and then that's how you get your credential. Yeah, that's exactly what Chris told us. But still, but you're still, it's still like a not paid job. Not paid. So are you... So, like, when you're going through this credential process, you're kind of just missing out on making I, any money? I only could work 20 hours a week. 
when I did that. Uh, I know a lot of people sub, right, while in the middle of them getting their credential, or not if you're student teaching. Well, you could sub for a couple periods, right? But not like that's not what some of them sub, do. Yeah. yeah, that you 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 yeah. teach. You know, I don't know exactly how many periods they have to do, but it's probably at least three, mm-hmm. three it. to four periods, and um, and actually, it's at that time if you don't have a good te- uh, student teaching experience, you you may. T- decide you don't want to do it i bet yeah yeah well, you know? it's probably really impactful um, you you also hope that the school you're at if you do have a good one you're mm-hmm. like i hope they hire me so it's mm-hmm. kind of you're interviewing the whole student teaching yeah mm. the whole time you're student teaching yeah and i also wonder where the bottleneck is right like where do you think the bottleneck is when it comes to people who just decide you know what i'm, I'm not going to follow through with with this pathway do you think it's mainly at the student level, student teaching level, or is it you know once they get into school and actually? I teach? think it's more once they get into it. So part of it is you know you, you get this science credential or science degree, mm-hmm. and and you you think you're going to teach people like you that love science or yeah, something. Yeah, but it's yeah. so it's we're actually in this period right now which is called there's like phases of teaching. This month is where they're in disillusionment. For students? Di- no, for the teachers. Oh, for teachers. Disillusionment. And so they start off the year like all excited and everything, <laughs> and then they, they yes, start I saying, know. oh, I, I didn't know I was teaching students that hated science, yeah. uh-huh. that, that can't read, that um, hate school, that you know all struggle. I, I didn't know I was having teaching those. I thought I was going to teach scientists, you know, kids mm. that are going to college, right? Yeah. Or like same with math, right? They, they get their math degree, and they're thinking, I want to teach uh, calculus, right? right? No, they teach math A. Yeah, I mean, half of teaching right? isn't actually teaching. It's trying to no. get people interested in learning. Yes, and so um, th- this is a big change, too. We're, we're actually focusing, the district is on project-based learning, one yes. of our focuses. Yes, yes, that's PBL. PBL, and PBL. that's where I met you. Yes. Originally, was I was doing a PBL showcase. Right. Uh, I think it was for uh, climate change, but I can't, I can't, I don't remember exactly. But I remember uh, we in my English class, we put these projects together and we bring them to the new gym and we sit there and a whole bunch of adults come up and show and they interview us and they talk to us about the project we completed. And I, I thought that was a really interactive way to get us going. But mm-hmm. I mean, the, the main argument I've heard with PBL is it just doesn't happen in college. So a lot of teachers, mm-hmm. especially in the AP level, but it is skimp doing. on it. But it is a part of college. Yeah, yeah. it is. Becoming. I mean, this actually what you're doing um, with your podcast it is more of what we would want to see with PBL. So on your own, um, I don't know how you were inspired, but on your own, um, this is what we would want kids to do is find a passion, find mm-hmm. something they're passionate about, and then look at all the learning that's happening through you having your own own show, right? Yeah, and we've learned a, a lot. lot. <laughs> a lot. You're learning more than you would in a class. The majority of learning I've done this year has been through this podcast. Yes, with I, other I'm confident that's actually this that. is a real PBL. So yes. this is what's a PBL. Cool. So yeah. if you know people keep, what does a PBL look like? What is it? Is the teachers are still learning about this, right? Yeah. And it's supposed to be relevant to either school, community, or home. So what can we um, enhance? What problem can we solve? What can we improve upon either in the community, at the school, or at your home environment and get kids to think, to brainstorm ideas? Yeah. And then we include the standards from our content into that, right? Mm-hmm. Because, but you got to get them brainstorming first, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and then I, yeah, I give the options of, you know, podcasting, website, a business. Yeah, I mean, you have to tailor, it has to be tailor-made to a student's passion or else they're yes. just not going to do it. Yes, oh. and so we're, 
you know, having a hard time um, really convincing, you know, some of our, some teachers that this would be a way for students to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, they just can't see it, right? right? And it'd be students all doing something different. So um, um, I was actually in a Twitter chat. There's Twitter chats for educators, <laughs> like, awesome. like tons of them. <laughs> they're, they're like every night from a certain time to a certain time, and there's an answer, question and answers. Oh, oh, Have I've you heard seen of those, those yes, like cool. A1, Q1? Yeah. And they're like with a hashtag. I was on one last night, and they were talking about that the future of education is going to look like a bunch of startups. Like that's Whoa, what, that would be cool. Yes. That would be awesome. That reminds me of the presentation we got about the college that it's a two-year program, but it gives you a bachelor's member in computer science. Yeah, it was the make school. And how everything, it's... their entire education was based on getting everyone to have a startup. And that, yeah. that was a perfect example of a college that's using project-based project learning. learning. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I guess with that, it kind of wraps up what we have time for today's episode thank you again for for coming in i learned a lot and, yeah me too and i'm kind of proud to say that this podcast can be considered a pbl we have another saga going we just had did the activism yeah we had a three we had, we had one about agricultural activism recently and i guess this one kind of has this like a two-part two-part yeah. sequel about teaching and how important it is and yeah like every single time i think about this issue it really gets me gets me kind of kind of going because again it's this weird paradox where teaching and education is such a crucial part of society yeah. and, and and building great citizens yeah. yet it's not it doesn't seem to be on the forefront of of, of not only politics but on people's normal day conversations yeah, and america has the money for it right and you know you see, you hear these democratic debates and all that and they're talking about a range of topics yet they don't they seem to skip a, out on education yeah. almost every single time and it's one of the most crucial if not the most crucial it, i topic. would say it is the most crucial so thank you for what you're doing here amongst That's our school amazing. in our community uh, going to these conferences and trainings and teaching the teachers and teaching teach. the <laughs> teachers who, who teach the, the teachers, teachers. <laughs> we appreciate that and appreciate your work and I guess with that, we'll see you, our audience in the next episode. Okay, thank you.